What is up, you guys? This is Joe, and welcome to the Jesus Talks podcast. I'm so excited that you are here listening. Give me a follow if you want to. Give the podcast a listen if you want to. Everyone is family here. If you guys want to keep track of the podcast, updates on when the next posts are, and anything along those lines, you can follow me on Instagram at the Jesus Talks Podcast. If not, enjoy this episode. What's up, ballers? I hope everyone is doing good. I am just ready to record a podcast episode. So I guess it's a good thing. That's exactly what I'm doing. I hope everyone is doing so very well. I wanted to do a special thank you just to all of the people who have felt the need to like DM and comment me all these amazing topic ideas and stuff that I've been able to mull over and pray over. And that's actually where today is coming from because today is the first week of doing one of y'all's topics that you wanted me to do. And the topic is pride. I know you're like, well, I'm not a prideful person, so I don't need to listen to this podcast. And may I implore to you, that is your pride talking. You definitely need to listen to this podcast. I know I do. I am so prideful. It's just something that the Lord has always just convicted me of so much because, man, it's just constant. But I just wanted to shed some light on pride today and just talk about, in a little bit quicker of a podcast episode, what the Lord says about it, what scripture says about it, and how we should treat it, how we should diagnose it, all of that good stuff. Hopefully after this 20, 25 minutes, we have a better understanding of number one, what pride is, number two, how pride works, and number three, how we can combat it. Before we do, I just wanted to catch up with you all a little bit. I've had a great couple days, I will say. Um, I've been reading this book by John Mark Comer, a ruthless elimination of hurry, as some of y'all have probably read as well. And he was talking about how a lot of times when we're in this position where we feel like, wow, I can't hear from God. I, I, I don't feel the, the presence of God around me. He's like, I, am, I ask you to think about if there's something that you feel like is in the way of that. If there is one something in your life that prevents you from intimacy with Jesus. And I realized that mine was my phone. Crazy, right? We live in this generation that just absolutely worships technology and is contingent on technology to be honest like most of us can't go a day without looking at our phone not that we don't have the willpower to do that but we can't afford to there's texts we have to see there's emails we have to answer there's assignments we have to keep track of like we are built to just have a just contingency and reliance on our phones and that's the world we live in i realized that my phone was a big blockage between me and my intimacy with jesus I thought I was experiencing a crazy amount of intimacy with Jesus, but I realized that there was so much more for me to grasp if I would just set my phone down and start really focusing on God and giving him more of my time. Something that John Mark Comer says in a, like right in the middle of his writing. Um, he talks about how a lot of times, all the time that we are filling with our phones, for instance, like the second we get the smallest bit of boredom in our life we just pull our phone out he was like imagine how many intimate and little prayer moments there were he was talking about back in before 95 when there was no phones he's like when you're in line when you're in a car waiting for like 
all you had to do is just time to yourself or time for prayer. Like you don't have any other option. So he was talking about returning to that. And I think that's been good for me. So the last four days to get to what I was talking about, I have just been not completely fasting from my phone, but I've just been getting a more emphasis on Jesus in my life and less emphasis on my phone. I've been waking up and just praying and spending so much time with him and getting a lot of things done before I even look at my phone, before I even turn my phone on. I know a lot of you guys already do this and you're like, Joe, get with the program. Um, but it's a new thing for me. And I can say that I've seen God work in some of the most incredible ways the last three or four days. And I think it's because I've been more susceptible to paying attention to how he's working because I haven't been distracted by a phone. Put time limits on all my social media. So if you guys haven't seen me posting on Instagram or anything like that, uh, just because I'm, you know, unless I feel like God's calling me to post something, I'm not going to. I'm not going to really be on it. I'm getting really backed up on my messages and on my answering. So I'll try to find days to respond to everybody's messages. But for now, it's been a really cool thing that I've been doing. And let me just tell you one cool way the Lord has been working. So if you guys know me and you've been keeping track of me, you guys know that I'm in the process of applying to a bunch of churches. I'm actually supposed to hear back from a church in the next coming days. And I've just been very stressed about it. So yesterday on my way to the coffee shop, I do my homework at. I was praying. I was like, hey, God, just show me something cool today. I was like, whether it be an interaction with a person, a conversation, uh, just do something cool. Within 20 minutes of being there, these two random guys I'd never met before at a coffee shop I'd never really been to before came up to me and were like, hey, man, like we feel the need to pray for you. Is there anything that you, like, you need prayer on? And I was like, uh, yeah, this job, I'm stressing out about if I'm going to get it or not. And they prayed over me. And that was just a small, cool moment. But wow, like seeing God just respond in a way where I, if I'm like, hey, I'm not going to confine you to a 30-minute quiet time or to an hour and a half long church service, I'm just going to give you my whole day and be open to seeing you work my entire day with no distractions. Like, you'd be amazed how the Lord works. But without further ado, I want to dive into our topic today. And I don't want to waste any time in doing so. So we're talking about pride. Pride is the devil, as J. Cole said in his new album. And that is the truth, because I believe that pride absolutely stems from the devil. The devil has a unique way and the enemy in general has a unique way of just taking the things that the Lord has meant for good and then twisting them for evil. So God gives us all of these gifts and abilities and talents and skills. He's like, hey, I want you to use all these things to glorify me. We have to realize that we can't surprise God with the things that we do. Like, if you just play an amazing game, whatever sport you play, or you just preach an insane word, like you're not going to surprise God. He, knew, he gave you the gifts to be able to do that, and he knew you were going to use that. But you can't amaze him, and you can't glorify him. And that's what he wants us to do with our gifting. But the devil said, hey, if I can take these gifts, and I can figure out a way for you to continue to use them, but use them for the wrong reasons, then I've won. And that's what he does. Because he gives us the ability to take pride in the things that we do. Now, it is okay to have godly confidence and it is okay to, you know, be happy about the fact that you have abilities to do incredible things. God loves that. But when you begin to do these things for the affirmation that you get, for the validation that may come, when you begin to forget about the main reason why you do everything you do, which is to glorify God, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, then pride will slowly seep in. So the devil has taken something like your amazing ability to sing 
which you've been using to glorify God on a worship stage. He has taken that and he has twisted it. So now when you're going up there and singing, you're doing it so that people will clap for you, you're doing it so that people will congratulate you after and tell you how good you are. That's pride. Pride is the enemy of so many of the characteristics of Jesus. Humility, being a humble person. Pride directly opposes humility. Empathy, being an empathetic person. And I can relate to this as a two-wing three. For the longest time, I took pride in my empathy. But you can't do that because they, they directly oppose each other. Empathy is saying, hey, what can I do for you? But then pride saying, what can you do for me? And oftentimes they correlate because I'm doing something for you, but I'm doing it to get something, some kind of gain for myself. Pride has twisted it. Pride just uniquely is able to twist all of these good things. So I guess the question would be, what do we do about it? Let me give you a precursor. We are all prideful. We are. Like, all of us are prideful because we were born into sin We are imperfect. We are human. We have and are going to experience pride at some point. It may be very apparent. You may just be a very conceited person and you're always very outwardly prideful, but sometimes it's inward. In Psalm 12, David talks about these internal sins, these hidden sins that we don't even realize we're doing. Whether it be something that we do throughout the day that we didn't realize was sinful Or we just did it and we didn't even realize we were doing it. Or we think it, we didn't realize we were thinking it. He's like, you need to repent of your hidden sin too. And a lot of times pride can be hidden sin. It can be hidden behind a good thing or a good deed. I could be doing something that outwardly looks amazing, but inwardly I could have been doing it because of pride. For instance, if I see a need or a task at church that needs to be done, I could go do it. And outwardly you're like, wow, he is a servant. He's doing so well for God. He's, he's so selfless in how he picks up those chairs, how he cleans those tables. But if on the inward, I'm only doing that because I want my youth pastor to recognize me because I want to get hired because I want people to be like, wow, you're so good at like, that is where pride comes into play. So a lot of times it's internal. So we have to recognize right away that whether we see it or whether we don't see it, we have pride. Now we combat pride with humility. Before we get to that, I want to dive into scripture a little bit. In Psalm 75, this is a psalmist that isn't David. It says in verse four, to the arrogant, I say, boast no more. To the wicked, do not lift up your horns. So the psalmist is addressing the fact that there is something that is called pride. So whether we want to agree with it or not, he's saying, hey, to the arrogant, boast no more. So there are arrogant people that's already been established. Stop being arrogant. And you're like, well, yeah, no, duh. But I just wanted to bring some kind of verse in here to show you guys that yes, there is something called pride and arrogance. It is apparent. We can't do anything about the fact that it's already there. So the question is now, how do we combat it? The same with anything else. Same with anxiety. When David talks about anxiety in Psalms, he doesn't say, Hey, if you are anxious, he says, Hey, when you are anxious, Here's what you do. So he's acknowledging that no matter what, there's going to be anxiety. No matter what, there's going to be pride. We just need to figure out how to fight those things, how to not let them win against us. So in James 4, and James is very wise. I love the book of James, probably one of my favorites. James tells us, he says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. 
Now, the proud is another way of talking about the prideful. And it says that God opposes the proud. And the reason that God opposes them is because, like I said, pride is of the devil. When you are showing and exhibiting and exemplifying pride in your daily life, you are directly opposing God. And in return, God opposes the proud because he wants us to be humble. And the reason God wants us to be humble is because every gift, every good gift we've been given is from him. Nothing we do is from our own ability, from our own doing. Everything that we are done and we have done and we are going to do it has been empowered by Christ. So we have no reason to take pride in anything because nothing is from us in the first place. Now, I, want, I don't want this to shut you down and kill your self-esteem and make you feel like you have no worth because our worth as Christians is in Christ. And he does give us the ability to amaze him with the gifts that we, that we use and, and we get the ability also to glorify him and to be affirmed, be validated. And I don't think it's wrong to live a life where people do validate you. If you look in Proverbs, Solomon talks about if you see something good in someone, it is almost a disservice to them to not point it out. So he's saying, hey, if you see, some, if you see your brother or sister stewarding a gift well or using something in a way that's glorifying to God, like affirm them, validate them. So you're going to get validation on earth and it's not a bad thing, but you can't be seeking that validation. I think a good example is in John 2. I've used this story before, but I'm not for this reason. There was a wedding in Cana and Jesus is at this wedding and they ran out of wine, right? Now, the servants are the, one that are the ones that are in charge of delivering the wine to the master and then to the people at the wedding, as well as the bride and the groom. The bride and the groom are in charge of the wine, but the servants are in charge of serving the wine. Now, when Jesus turns the water to wine, he doesn't just do that and present it to the people. He turns the water to wine in the six stone jars so that when the servants bring the wine to the master, the master can have it and receive it from the servants. So not only did God work a miracle, and, be, and not only was he glorified by the people that saw it happen, but the servants were able to be affirmed by the master because they were the ones delivering it. So God said, "Let me. I, I'm electing to use you guys in this miracle so that you can receive affirmation. So all this to say, there's, there's nothing wrong with receiving after affirmation. You just can't be seeking it. And I think when, when I think of pride, that is the biggest thing for me. It's the biggest thing for most people. It is, why am I doing what I am doing? Am I doing it to honor God or am I doing it to receive validation from the world? Pride aligns with validation from the world and humility aligns with servicing God. Because when we service God, we are doing it with no expectation of anything in return. His blood on the cross, his sacrifice for our sins, that was enough. He doesn't owe us anything else because we didn't even deserve that. So we should never be doing anything to receive more validation because we are undeserving the validation. We need to live a life that is beautiful and pleasing to God and we please him by being people of humility. So when we do great things, when we do things that we probably have the ability to take pride in, we don't because we recognize that those things are from God and his people are called to act a certain way, are called to uphold a character that we see directly from God. I want to dive over to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which everyone has heard. Everyone loves 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to read through some of the characteristics of Christ. And I want you guys to find 
alignment with these. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking about love. The same way he's talking about love, he's talking about Jesus, because Jesus is love. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, it does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Jesus is the same way, like I said, these characteristics are of Jesus, just the same as they are of love. Jesus is a man that does not boast and is not proud, he's not self-seeking. And that's what pride is. You are seeking to do things that glorify you. And if you are trying to glorify you, you cannot simultaneously glorify God. You cannot have one foot in the cup of demons and then one foot in the cup of God as it talks about earlier in 1 Corinthians. We have to be all in or all out. Part of being all in for Jesus is laying your pride down at the altar and saying, God, now that I have committed to living a life that is honoring and glorifying to you. Now that I've committed to living a life that is going to be devoted to you, I have to lay down my pride because pride is inward. Pride is about me. But everything that God does is external. It's about others. We are called to live that same way. In the book of John, John 13 and 14, when John is describing the events that happened at the Passover meal, in the final hour, right before Jesus is soon to be arrested, Jesus has one last meal with his disciples. And in this meal, he says, hey, I have shown you guys what love is. Now it is your job to go on and to love one another. So he, he says, like, hey, your biggest command is to love others, not to love yourself. It's important to love yourself, but to seek gain for yourself before seeking gain for others. That's not what we're called to do. I worked at this camp a couple summers ago and their motto was God first, others second, and I am third. It was this I am third mentality. And we need to have the same way because a lot of times in our life, when pride is ruling, it is us first, others third or fourth, and then God like seventh or eighth. And we cannot function as a follower of Christ being that way. Because people need to see Christ in us. And how they see Christ in us is they see us exhibiting character traits of Christ. And one of his biggest character traits is just he's a God of humility. He's a God that cares more about others. It does nothing for himself. You think that he died on that cross to glorify himself? And in a roundabout way, he died on that cross to glorify God. What he did on that cross, that was for us. That wasn't for him. He didn't need atonement for his sin because he was sinless. His greatest act of love was sacrifice and was serving others. And ours need to be the same way. Pride will cause us to stop seeking to serve others unless we are going to be served in the process. I ask you a couple questions to end. Do you have the ability to do something just for someone else? You gain nothing from it. You may even lose from it, but it's just for them. And number two, do you have the ability to check your motives? I would stop you and say, check your motives. Let's think about that for a second. Matthew 6, literally verse 1. Make sure not to practice your righteousness in front of others. So it's saying when you do righteous things, when you do things that are good and honorable to God, why are you doing them? All of Matthew 6 hits on this, talks about prayer, fasting. 
I'm doing these great things that God calls me to do, but what is the purpose behind what I'm doing them? Because if the purpose behind why I'm doing them is a purpose of pride, then I've defeated the purpose of these beautiful acts for God. It's, it's shameful. And it's honestly awful that I could be doing something that is supposed to be beautiful and holy and glorifying to the Lord, but because I'm taking pride in it and I'm doing it for the wrong reason, he doesn't accept that. God will not accept the things you do for him that are coming from a place of pride because he opposes the proud, like James says. So after this ends, I want you to to have a moment with God. Commune with him. Meditate on this and think about, why do I do the things that I do? Why do I serve people the way that I serve people? Am I doing it in a way that is holy and glorifying to God alone? Or am I doing it to get some benefit myself or only to benefit myself. Pride will corrupt what is good. So right now I pray, like David says in the Psalm, that God is able to search us, search our hearts, weed out the pride, weed out the arrogance, prune us of it, and let us live lives that are fully devoted to serving God and to serving others. Let us lower ourselves the process of raising up God. Let us not just raise ourselves up and raise up God. Let us lower ourselves and raise God. We should never benefit from our faith more than Jesus does. I want to leave you with that. We should never benefit from our faith more than Jesus does. I love y'all. And I hope that in just week one of this, we were able to get a better outlook on what pride is and the next coming episodes hopefully i'll be able to tackle it again and talk about some of the best ways to combat pride more specifically and practically this was just a big overview thank you all for listening i hope you have an amazing and wonderful week weekend whenever you're listening to it i love you care for you peace out hey i am so glad you listened to my episode Thank you. I appreciate your support. I love you. Jesus loves you. I'm praying for you. If you need any specific prayer needs or anything else, you can always DM me at the Jesus Talks podcast on Instagram. Have a great day.